brought to you by Habit Aware. If you follow me on social media, you may have seen me wearing a watch with a lilac colored band. That's a keen too, and it's much more than a watch. It's a life changer. I've had trichotillomania for 22 years, and I always thought of myself as a conscious puller. But when I started wearing the keen too, I realized that was not the case. The keen two's motion sensing technology gives my wrist a gentle vibration or hug every time my hand reaches for my hair bringing me to awareness so that I can make a different choice. Start bringing awareness into your life by going to barbaralally.com slash habit aware. So I'm Ellen and I, I'm 57. And I say that because my trichotillomania started when I was around 10. And that was a heck of a long time ago. And it was well before the internet. So it was, I was probably 1976, 77. And I remember my first pull and I pull from my scalp. <laughs> I remember being out on the field in middle school, no, in elementary school and we're picking teams and I was neither popular nor sporty and I would play with my hair, you know, and it felt good. And then I guess I just pulled one out and I thought, uh-huh, this is kind of fun. Didn't think anything of it. Until, I don't know, weeks go by, my mom takes me to the hairstylist and, you know, they they comb your hair down the sides and then pull it so that they can cut. And she spied two bald spots. And she calls my mother over and she says, Sandy, there's something wrong with Ellen. So all I heard is something's wrong with me. And they asked me, what did you do? And I looked at them and lied and said, my best friend put gum in my hair and they believed me. And I sat in that chair and said, I guess I shouldn't do this because I'm wrong and I'll never do it again. Which lasted about 10 minutes until I got back into the car. <laughs> but what I learned then is, oh boy, I think I need to, if I can't stop, I better pull different places so I'm not caught again with bald spots. So that was my first experience. And I wasn't going to ask my mom for help because obviously she wasn't, she, she thought something was wrong and I wasn't going to ask the librarian and then there was no internet. So it was kind of crazy. So the, the time I learned what trichotillomania was is 10 years later, walking into abnormal psychology class at University of Maryland and the word trichotillomania was on the board. And I learned what trichotillomania was. I was so excited to learn I wasn't the only one, but so terrified to be like, okay, what now? And this was in the early 80s before it was even a diagnosis. So for years, I tried everything and anything. So I found a therapist who was really terrible. And then I found some other really great therapists. I also tried acupuncture. I tried hypnosis. I tried sitting on my hands. I tried rubber bands on my wrists. I tried everything. And in fact, the best thing I ever did was a group therapy with 
other people just like me. And it was the first time in my probably 30s that I met other people who had trichotillomania. And it was amazing. And it was awesome. And I felt like I had hope and healing until the group ended. <laughs> and I didn't have my awareness because I would pull and I wouldn't realize I was pulling until after I pulled. And then, well, now what, right? I might as well just keep going. So I learned, I guess I'm just going to have to live with it. So I would have my ups and downs. I would have hours and hours and hours of pulling where was, my elbow was hurting and my fingers were hurting. And I'd have other times where it wasn't so bad. And then <laughs> one night after binge watching, probably this is us back then, you know, six years ago, I Googled what are the latest breakthroughs expecting to find the same old, same old but I didn't. I found the habit aware bracelet and this was May of 2017. So I bought it, two of them. And the only reason, Barbara, I bought them, there were two reasons. One, it was invented by someone who grew up with this issue, Anila. And number two, it had a 90, 90 day money back guarantee. Otherwise I wouldn't have bought it. And this bracelet says that it's going to vibrate when you're engaging in your hair pulling. I'm like, this is, this is going to be my cure. This is it. So I got it. And when I first got it, it was terrible. And it was terrible just because of user error, because I was so excited and I put them on and you can train up to four different areas on your head. And I was pissed off. Why can't I train eight? Like, come on. Well, I didn't train it right. So it would vibrate when I didn't want it to. And not when I wanted it to, but luckily they offered free training. So I did. And I learned that I was training it incorrectly. I was training my hand coming up, which so many people do. I was training the full thing I do with my hair, the scan, the pull, the comeback. And all you want to do is train just that scanning motion of what you do before you pull. So then it started to, and I'm doing this in air quotes, work because it would vibrate when I wanted it to. And really what the key was for me was deciding that that vibration was a hug because I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. So it was a hug. And then I was able to pause in that split second. And that's when the magic would begin to happen. And that magic came from me. The bracelet was the catalyst. So then... <laughs> I took, I started researching the company and I took four days to write an email to the CEO saying, you guys helped me so much. I want to work for you and help others. And then Samir, who's the CEO and husband of Anil, the co-founder, we had a conversation and I was a surprise package. They weren't expecting me, but we decided let's give it a go. And that was over six years ago. So habit aware changed my life twice. It helped me take control of my trichotillomania. And now I get to help others like I'm doing right now with you, which is so cool. Did you ever have bald spots again? Did anyone point it out at school, teachers? What was it like growing up with trick? Uh, I don't really remember as much in elementary school, but I do remember in high school and probably middle when the when the bell would ring to signify going to other classes, I would look down and there'd be all this hair on the floor. And I would look around me, oh my God, did anybody see? And then I would quickly grab my books and leave. Um, in college, 
and I'm five foot three. And so I have a friend, had a friend, Brian, who was six foot something. And he said to me, Hey, Ellen, if you were going bald, I'd know before you, because I'm taller than you. So I run into the dorm room and grab a mirror and look, and I had a bald spot forming. I also remember the evidence, meaning I'm married now and we're doing a, we're getting a new carpet in our bedroom. And I realized, holy moly, I need to go clean up all that hair from years and years and years of depositing it behind the headboard. And that's what I did. No one was around and I crawled under the bed to clean up all that hair. Just felt so shameful. And I did have an experience in college where I opened up to somebody and I told her, I don't remember how I said it, but I ended up telling her about my hair pulling and she was very supportive. And in fact, her sister had the same thing. She said she would do it sometimes too. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not the only one. And now one of my best friends is there for me. And then she wasn't like, we had a falling out. And the other thing about trick that we don't want to admit, it isn't just pulling our hair. There's a whole routine that goes with it, right? A whole ritual. So I would find the one I like. I would then pull that one out and hoping it would be pulled out just the right way. And I like to put it in my mouth and bite on the root and run it through my teeth and bite it into little pieces and discard it as if it just is pixie dust going in the air. <laughs> and I was at working at a pizza restaurant and I was the hostess and I was super bored and I'm sitting there and I still remember what I was wearing. <laughs> I was wearing an ugly Benetton sweater and some velvet pants because it was the 80s. And I started pulling my hair and also doing the whole ritual. And this girl that I told walked around the corner with her friends, looked at me and said, Ellen, you are disgusting and walked right out the door. And I'll never, ever forget that. So then I would dig deep, you know, hide it more and more and more and more so that no one could, no one would know. And it really ruins sharing because you want the support, but then you have a negative response and it makes you never want to share with anyone again. And that completely hinders your healing. Secrets make us sick. And when we're hiding it and hiding it and we have no idea how to come out of it and we believe that it's our fault because it's our hands, then it makes it worse. And you get into this vicious cycle of self-hatred, self-shame, guilt. Why am I doing something that actually feels really good and is seems to be helping me, but it's not helping me? Rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you first went to therapy, was your trichotillomania classified as self-harm or OCD? Did they have a grasp on what trichotillomania was or what BFRB even meant? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. So the first therapist I went to was in the 90s. I also worked for, at the time, a managed care, mental health and substance abuse managed care company. So I knew about mental health, not that I knew about trichotillomania because it was so brand new. But what I did know is that if your insurance doesn't have a therapist in that specialty, it's the insurance's responsibility to find you one. They call it an out-of-network authorization, at least back in the day. So 
I did that with my insurance. You need to find me someone who specializes in trichotillomania. So they did. And I'm so excited. I walk into his office. I sit down. <laughs> and what he said to me is, I told him my story. And he said, well, Ellen, is there something that you really, 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 really want? Let's say a pair of gold earrings. And you really want to wear these earrings but you can't wear them until you stop pulling. And what if you bought those earrings and looked at them every day? Do you think that would help you stop pulling? And then I left his office and never went back. So was it classified as OCD or an, he, he, he was classified as nothing, <laughs> nothing. And he had no idea. And that was so disappointing because now what? I remember they would give me different techniques because they categorized it as self-harm, I guess in the early 2000s. And I was like, well, it's not the same. So those aren't going to work for me. And so many people still think it's self-harm. I was talking to someone on the phone just the other day and her therapist says that her hair pulling is self-harm. I said, no, it's not. It's actually the opposite of self-harm. And it's... <laughs> And it works really well for what it does, right? So if you want to trance out, if you want to relax, if you want to concentrate, if you want to fill boredom, if you want any of those things, you can just get into, you could just pull and do that whole ritual and it works really well. It's the side effects that really suck. And, you know, if we could pull and that hair would just mat, people say, I just want to stop. I hate it. I hate it. I don't think that's true because if the hair magically grew back and there was no evidence, it just grew back and then the hair you pulled just disappeared in thin air and no one ever saw anything and there was nothing to clean up, we would never stop. So it's not, that's, that is not what needs to change. It's why are we doing it? And it's, it's not self-harm. There's a whole different reason for self-harm. So tell me about the therapists that were great, the ones that you enjoyed going to. So I found a, a group through the TLC, that which is now BFRB.org, and uh, in, in Behavioral Center of Greater Washington in Silver Spring. And this woman, I still thank her to this day. Her name is um, Sherry Vandercheck. And it was a group of eight women. Seven of us were hair, had hair pulling disorder and one had skin picking disorder. And she took us through the fact versus fiction, which was, it was eight sessions, which was great. So we learned a lot. We learned what BFRBs are, what they're not. We learned um, coping mechanisms and not just blockers, but we learned all different kinds of methods where they call it the scamp model, which is so sensory, because a lot of times we, it's the feeling of the hair. C would be cognitive, the emotions. A is the affect. M is motor. I, I like to call it muscle memory. We're so used to doing certain things with our hands and our arms. And P is for place and environment. So we went through all of that, which was great because then we, we're able to learn different strategies for different times because there isn't just one thing. And then there was the camaraderie, which was awesome with all these other women. At first it was just 
does she look like me? And it happened to be all women, just, just it. And it was really neat. And we learned that we were all very similar, but also very different. Cause I thought everybody bit their hair, pulled it and put it in their mouth. And other people are like, no, I don't do that, but I do this. I'm like, oh, well, I don't do that. So it was really, it was very, very cool to be together and work on all of these strategies together. It's just the thing that failed me was the awareness. Awareness, Self-awareness is so hard to create without having something on your hands. And who wants to walk around wearing oven mitts, right? So that you're aware. What are some locations for you that are particularly triggering? Places where you feel like, okay, yes, I'm going to need my tools because I'll probably be pulling here. Okay, for sure. So car was the one of the biggest ones for me. Uh, big area. Watching television, for sure. Reading a book at night. And at my desk, working. Those are my main four areas. Do you have different interventions or tools that you use for different places? I do. And I have different interventions for different times. So what I, what I do, and actually we do it at Habit Aware, is it's similar to the scam, but we call it use the clues. I could talk about Habit Aware and all of the wonderful work they do all day long. Not only does the Keen 2 bring awareness to your BFRB with gentle vibrations, it tracks your vibrations, which allows you to look at your own personal data and make informed decisions. You might be thinking, how do I see my data? Easy, by looking at the Keen 2 app. What if I need help configuring my Keen 2? Schedule a free call with someone from the HabitAware team. Looking for additional support and or community? Join the HabitAware BFRB Change Collective. Start your journey with HabitAware by going to barbaralally.com slash habitaware today. So the first thing is the awareness because you can't make a change if you don't know what's going on. So the vibration I decided, like I said earlier, was a hug. So once I get the hug, no matter where I am, <laughs> let's say I'm in the car, because that was a big one. I would have a little party in my head and just pause. And then I would ask myself, where am I while well, I'm in the car? What am I doing? And it's not just that I'm driving, but maybe I'm driving carpool, or maybe I'm driving to the grocery store, or maybe I've got a long trip. How am I feeling? Am I bored? Am I anxious? Am I uncomfortable? Am I just meh? And then what time is it? Because those are all the clues to what I need. Because at first I just thought, oh, I just need to have something in my hands. And mostly I did. And I, and at the beginning of my journey, I had this fur ball that's a keychain that my girlfriend gave me for Christmas a million years ago. And when I grabbed my keys, I'm like, wow, this is kind of fun. And when I would drive, I would just rub this on my face and it was awesome. So I will tell people now, you know, just try something like that. Maybe it's makeup brushes or paint brushes. But for me, it was this fur ball. I also like pencil erasers. I like the feeling of them. I rub them on my lips and I would have a water bottle. So one hand on the wheel, because we're never going to do two. And then when the other hand wanders in the vibration, then I would grab something. Barbara, what I learned though, is sometimes it isn't a fidget. And a couple of years ago, I was in my car leaving 
a brand new doctor's office and it was raining and the window the windshield wipers are going and you can hear the rain and then I'm driving and I was scanning and I thought to myself oh I need I need a fidget but I didn't need a fidget what I realized when I went through all those questions is I was feeling relief I had a brand new doctor everything was fine I was feeling relief and I wanted to just relax and pulling my hair is relaxing. So instead, I didn't need a fidget. I needed to do some deep breathing. And that's what I did. I put both hands on the wheel. I just took some long, deep breaths. And within 45 seconds, I was fine. So the long answer to your short question is, it really depends on what you need at that moment. So in the car, I would do that. At my desk, always having an eraser and water, but also asking myself, what's going on right now? Am I overwhelmed by this project? Maybe I need to make a list, put it all down. Have I been sitting at my desk for three hours and maybe I need to take a break? Am I hungry? What's going on beyond just the activity of working so that I could do the right strategy at the right time? Um, reading a book though is interesting and watching TV. So I'll do book first. Um, so for books, I would always read a book at night before bed. And then, and someone I worked with would say to me, because I do peer coaching, she'd say, Ellen, I love to read. You can't take reading away from me. And I pull and I read, but I'm not going to give up reading. You can't pull, you can't take it away from me. <laughs> I said to her, I'm not going to take it away from you, but let's make it work for you. I, for some reason, and it doesn't matter what it is, I'm just going to grab a little block, but I would have a nail file. And I would just take the nail file and run it around my fingers. I'm not filing my nails. And that would be my bookmark. So I would grab my book and I'd read my book, right? So I'm reading the book and then I'm, I'm holding the nail file and I'm just making this rhythmic meditative sound. And then when I notice that my hand comes up, I'll go back and do it again. But if I do it three times, I'll look at the clock. Oh, it's 1130 you know what? You got to go to bed. Stop reading. Same thing with TV. I know that my danger zone is when I'm about to hit, let's watch the next episode. So if I'm watching TV, I would need something else in my hands. And if I continue to touch my hair, it means, okay, we're done with TV. But the more you practice, or for me, the more I practice doing something else, the more I go for that before I even go for my hair. I noticed I can't even watch certain shows, like The Bachelorette. It gives me a little bit of secondhand embarrassment. So my hand just goes up, 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 up in my hair. Yeah. And so you got you have a choice. What's more, what's more important, watching The Bachelor or Bachelorette or my hair? And if it is watching The Bachelorette, okay, then you got to do something else, right? You have to, so that you're not. And it's interesting how sometimes certain shows do that. For me, I don't find that it doesn't really matter what the show is. It's just the television. That's where it's so interesting that we're similar yet different where I know Anila, she doesn't want to watch anything scary. She's like, that's it. I'm never watch. I don't watch scary things because scary things makes her hands noisy to have a horror bachelorette show. Could you imagine? <laughs> While you were growing up with trick, did you ever pull from different areas besides your scalp? <gasps> yes. Um, I didn't not eyelashes or eyebrows. I was would always be afraid to touch them because I didn't want to do that. 
but pubic area was another one. And I think it's because I like the curlier, kinkier ones and your pubic hair tends to be curlier and kinkier. But it didn't bother me that I did that. Like I didn't care. Where my scalp, I totally cared. Like right on. Did you have any moments where you did another BFRB? Yeah. Oh, good question. Okay, so as a kid, the first thing I did, <laughs> I don't know how I did it. Um, is I would bite the skin off my toes and my toenails. So I would do that in front of the TV with my two brothers behind me. I, I mean, how weird is that? So I started with that and I also bit my nails and the inside of my mouth. I would chew on the inside of my mouth. I don't bite my nails or my feet anymore, but I do catch myself biting the inside of my mouth. Uh, and I notice sometimes I'll do that and, and not go for my hair. And I don't want to trade one for the other because that's, that's not the right thing to do, but that would be the other one. And there's all different severities where my hair was much more severe and caused me much more shame where biting the inside of my mouth does not, but it is something that I'm aware of and because I guess because my awareness is so strong, I'm I'm able to pivot. When you had that moment, like, okay, this might be with me forever. Do you remember how you felt when that realization hit? Yeah, I was just sad. I don't know when it was that I realized I was probably I was probably in my 40s. Yeah. And I was just sad. And just figured, I'm just going to die with it. And this is who I am. And I figured out a way of living with it. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't, wasn't comfortable. I figured out how to pull just enough to satisfy, but not so much that I would have all that damage. The cleanup was hard. I had to figure out how to do the cleanup. I didn't want to do it. I didn't do it in front of anybody, but my husband would catch me and say, Ellen, stop eating your hair, which I didn't do, but he would think I was because I was biting on it. And that would then make me upset. And then I had two babies, not at the same time, but I had my oldest daughter's 23. And I remember when she was a baby and rocking her and wishing, do not get trichotillomania, do not get trichotillomania before good health, before wealth, before friend. I just, I didn't want her to get it. I know that's not the, your question, but uh, she she didn't get it, but she did get a form of BFRBs because she bites her nails and she picks her skin. And my youngest bites the inside of her mouth and chews on her tongue. But back to your original question, yeah, it made me really sad that I thought I was going to have to live with it. And you know what? I do have to live with it, but I'm not sad anymore. And I just now, just this second, asking that question is now awesome because I figured out a solution. Now there's no cure, but there is a cure. We're our own cure, but cure doesn't mean we never, ever, 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 ever do it again. The cure or success for me is resilience. If I begin to scan my hair, then I'm able to pause and pivot and do it much, much, much less. 
And I don't feel that sadness anymore because I know how to, how to pivot, how to bring that awareness in and it transcends. So it's not just awareness of our hair or skin. It's awareness of where I am right now in this moment. And what do I need? Well beyond my hair pulling. Wow. That was a really powerful question. What's hard for people who don't have BFRBs to realize is the challenging relationship we have with the mirror. We look in them when we're scanning or when we're beating ourselves up after an episode. When you have trichotillomania or dermatillomania, you're altering your appearance minute to minute. How did you get to the point where you can look in the mirror and not think negative thoughts? I think that all came from the habit of wear bracelet. The more I got the vibration and the hug and the more in the moment success I had of redirecting my hands and the new muscle memory. And I'm actually going to pause here and say, I could look in the mirror and not really see anything because I I didn't have big, obvious bald spots. I had the two I told you when I was a kid that I never really even saw because my other hair went over it. And I had one that was starting at the crown of my head and then I redirected my hands. So if you looked at me, you'd never know. And I didn't know either. And I also had crazy curly hair too. So I would look in the mirror and get more pissed off at how my curls were ugly than than the hair pulling. But it was my face that changed, my eyes that changed. So I'd be able to, with the awareness and this, really it's the mindset and the success that, wow, I can do this. That changed. And that was probably was about four or five, six months into my journey that I, and you asking that question makes me remember that. And that's actually really cool. That's really cool. I'm like having all these aha moments with myself. <laughs> what advice would you give someone who wants to get involved in the habit aware community or just in general wanting to share their story? Come, come, come be part of the family. And you could be part of the family in many ways. I would recommend to everybody who has a BFRB on their head, meaning it's their scalp or their hair or their face or even their neck, run, don't walk and get a keen bracelet. (laughs) And I will help you train it. And it has that 90 day money back guarantee if it's not the right tool. It's not the right tool for cuticle picking. It's not the right tool for legs or feet. It works best on the head. So do that. (laughs) And then we have a community that's so awesome. It's called the BFRB Change Collective. And it's, it's an online community. It's not through Facebook. We actually run it through the Mighty Network. And it's a place where together we find results and transformation. And I'll give you a little sneak peek of something we talked about yesterday. So we we talked about, about walking the trail, right? So sometimes you you want you going back to your question, you want to make a change. But you really don't know how. I'm going to start this. So I'm going to I'm going to go on this community and I'm pulling my ticket. I paid my entrance and I'm in the parking lot. But I'm afraid to get out of the car. And, and then, so you're, you're not, you can't get out of the car. Well, guess what? I'm going to have somebody come help you get out of the car. (laughs) It's going to hold your hand. And then when you're on the trail, 
and you're watching people walk back and forth, but you're not really quite sure what to do next, we will help you do that through our community. So the community, we offer free training for people who want help with the bracelet. I also do um, connection calls if people just want to talk. And we have these new events called Parent Huddles that we just started because parents need help too, like in a big way, because parents don't know what to do. So all the kiddos, and you and I'm a kid, you just tell your parents, you got to sign up for a parent huddle so that you can learn how to support your child with a BFRB of any age. And we're going to have teen huddles and kid huddles coming soon. So I'm super excited about those too. Go to um, habitaware.com, habitaware1word.com. You can find our bracelet there. You can find all of our information there. You can reach me, Ellen, at habitaware.com. You can find us on Instagram. Um, we do lives every Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern time and they're on replay. So you can watch them. You can DM us there. So that's how you can reach us. Habitaware.com, Ellen at habitaware.com. If someone wants to get started, what's the advice? The advice is just start. Start scared. I'm too scared to start. That's okay. Start scared. There is hope and there is healing. And the word is not, we didn't talk about this, Barbara. Everyone just wants to stop, me included. I just want to stop. But guess what? Stopping is not the answer. The answer is managing. You're going to manage it. You're going to manage the hell out of it so that it becomes like a little, just a little, it becomes your superpower. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer an online trichotillomania focused course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. In it, we do a deep dive into your relationship with trichotillomania by using my guided journal, My Trickster Diaries, as our workbook. We also complete empowering activities and have a bi-weekly support group so that you can meet others in the community. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. You can access this promotion at barbaralally.com. Thank you.